parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey, Cycle Breakers. Welcome back. Today's episode is going to focus on helping you support your child in developing frustration tolerance. Why is frustration tolerance important for kids? Well, children are constantly growing and developing, being asked to learn new skills, to integrate new skills into their existing skill set. Their brains are developing constantly. And so there are always new tasks to learn. It's not as though they go through their day just kind of being able to do most things pretty easily. As adults, of course, we're still learning, right? Of course, we've got things that are still frustrating, but many things that we need to do to get through the day, we already know, and we've practiced and done them successfully hundreds of times. But for kids, every day presents new challenges. And So frustration tolerance is really important because frustration tolerance essentially is the ability to tolerate and manage our own frustrations. It allows us to persevere through difficult, challenging, and frustrating tasks without giving up. So if you're a person who's constantly being asked to learn and try new things, it's going to be important to be able to tolerate the frustrations that inevitably pop up along the way. Now, Frustration tolerance is an executive function, so that means that it develops as the brain develops, and it's going to get better with practice and with thoughtful support. So children, by nature of the fact that they're still growing and developing and learning new tasks all the time, often struggle with frustration tolerance. I talk a lot about how sometimes there's a missing skill underneath whatever behaviors we see, right? And sometimes frustration tolerance is the skill that's missing, that needs more development, right? So today I'm going to empower you with six tips to help you build your child's frustration tolerance. So the first one, and this is something you've heard me say over and over on this podcast, but it's really important here. And that is to allow all feelings, right? It's okay for your child to feel frustrated. Feeling frustrated doesn't mean that we need to necessarily run away from the task, right? So you can narrate what's happening and validate this for your child. I saw that. You were trying to put that puzzle piece there, but it doesn't fit. That was really frustrating, huh? It's okay to feel frustrated. I feel that way too sometimes, right? Letting your child have those feelings of frustration in your calm presence. Again, when we can help tolerate the feelings by being there, bearing witness to them without getting spun up, then our kids learn, hey, you know what? This feeling is safe and okay. So kids will not learn to persevere through frustration if they don't first learn to sit in the frustration. If they don't first learn that sitting in the frustration is actually safe and healthy and okay. So that's the first tip. The second tip that I have for you is to follow your child's lead. 
So often when we see our kids struggling, we try to smooth the process over for them. We might even try to make their experience frustration-free so as to avoid a meltdown, right? We might try to get in there and remove any obstacles so that we don't have that meltdown. But it's really important that we don't do that. It's really important, actually, for your child to have practice sitting in frustration like I just noted. So I often say on this podcast that the only way out is through. And this is definitely one of those cases. Because here's the thing. We have to experience frustration in order to learn to tolerate it. So let's say that your child is drawing a circle and then rips up the paper because it didn't look the way they wanted. We don't want to say, oh, I thought your circle looked great. You don't need to rip up the paper. See, look, here we can fix it. That's you trying to remove the frustration, to remove the obstacles. Instead, follow your child's lead. Affirm what you see and then let them have their feelings. You didn't like how your circle looked. You didn't like it so much that you felt like ripping the paper up. Let that feeling be, okay? It's really important that we follow our children's lead in this process and don't try to come in and fix the situation for them, okay? So that's the second tip. The third tip here is to help your child, but the way that we help really, really matters, okay? We want to help them just enough because here's the thing. When we come in and we take over, we communicate, hey, you know what? Yeah, this task is too frustrating for you. Let me do it. You can't, so I will. I don't trust you to get this done, so I'm going to take over. So here's how that might look in practice. Let's say that your child is trying to zip up their jacket, but zippers are hard, right? Zippers can be hard even for adults. I know sometimes I sit there for a minute really trying to fit the two pieces of the zipper together. And especially for kids with still developing fine motor control, it can be really hard to get that zipper to fit together. So when you go over to your child, you don't want to say, here, just let me zip your jacket for you. I got it. What you do is you say, oh, do you want some help? I see that you're struggling here and that looks really frustrating. And your child, if they say yes, you can say, okay, and start that zipper. Fit the two pieces together and zip it maybe an inch. And you say, okay, let's see if you can get it from here. And then when your child is able to zip it up, you say, you did it. You zipped your jacket, right? So you're giving them just enough help. You're creating sort of a scaffolding, right? That they're not quite able to zip the jacket completely independently, but you gave just enough help to get them over that hump. Another example, my 12-month-old took her first steps the other day, which is very exciting to watch. And one of the things that she's been doing is she's not super confident yet. She's mostly crawling still. So she's got these push toys and she's pushing them around the house. And that's a way that she's getting comfortable and confident in her walking skills. But a lot of times the push toy will sort of get stuck, you know, up against the couch or up against a wall. And she starts to sort of yell out in frustration. And so I'll go to her and it would be so easy for me just to turn the thing, right? And have her go on her way. But instead I get down in her level and I say, oh, it's so frustrating. You want it to move, but it's stuck. And then I say, would you like some help? And of course, she can't say, yes, please help me. But she gives me her signals in her way, right? That she communicates the way that she can, that she would like some help. And I put my hands over hers and I just shift the toy just a little bit so that she can start to feel what it feels like to move it herself. 
and then she'll turn it the rest of the way and keep walking. Again, it would be quicker and easier for me just to turn the toy for her. But in that moment, me helping her just enough is what's actually teaching her, giving her that scaffolding so that she can persevere and keep going with the skill, keep practicing. So we want to help our kids just enough, not take over, not communicate, okay, you can't do this, so let me, but come in and say, I believe in you, you can do this. Let me just give you this little bit of support. So the fourth tip for helping our kids manage frustrations and to tolerate those frustrations is model managing your own frustrations, okay? We look so competent by comparison to kids. Of course we struggle, but a lot of times our kids don't see that. What they see is that if we want to put our coats on, we do. We want to cook a meal, we do. We want to tie our shoes, no problem. If we get mad, we don't hit, right? They don't see us struggle with every little thing the way that it can feel for them. And our relative competence can feel isolating for kids. So it can be super helpful to model moments of frustration and then the working through, right? So that might look like, oh, I really need to mix this batter, but I can't do it. It won't mix. I'm so frustrated. I feel like throwing this spoon, but I wonder what I can do instead. Hmm. I think I'm going to take a deep breath. And then if you can, if it's a situation that's conducive to this, you can even ask your child for help. Can you help me? Do you think you can mix this batter for me? Can you help me get it all mixed up? Right. And then your child comes over and stirs for you and you say, oh, thank you so much. I could not get that. Right. Now, this is really important, but you need to be able to pull that off in a way that feels genuine and not mocking. And you're going to be the best person to feel that out. Right. But I think it's really important that if you're going to do that, if you're going to ask for your child's help, if you're going to model your frustration, do it in a way that feels genuine. You're welcome to do that when you're actually frustrated, but that requires obviously the emotion regulation to be able to catch yourself in that moment and take that deep breath. But this is a great tool. If you start to raise your voice with your child, you can say, oh, I do not like how I'm talking to you. I just raised my voice and I don't want to do that. I'm really frustrated. What can I do right now? I'm going to take a deep breath. You want to take one with me, right? And so you can model that in a real moment if that's more helpful and more genuine for you. But whatever you do, just make sure that it doesn't come across as mocking. Okay, if you've been thinking about downloading the Complete Guide to Meltdowns, consider this your sign. Go to raiseresilient.com slash grow today and download your copy for free. Y'all, this guide has everything you need to show up confidently during your child's meltdowns. And it's going away soon. And I have some really exciting news about why it's going away and what's coming in its place. But for now, go grab your copy while you still can. Another option to model these feelings is while playing with your child, right? So while building a block tower, you can have your tower fall or you're using Legos. You can say, I'm trying to get these two pieces apart and I really don't know how to do that. It's really frustrating, right? You can model that in play and play is the language for children to really learn these things. So that can be a super powerful intervention, right? You're trying to fit the puzzle piece and it won't fit. I just can't get this piece to fit. I feel like it goes here, but I can't get it to fit. And I'm so frustrated. What can I do? 
I'm going to take a deep breath right now. I'm going to take a minute and then I'm going to try again, right? So modeling it, the frustration and the working through. You can even say to your child, do you know where this fits? Do you want to try? Right? And then you're bringing your child in to actually help you in that moment. And a related idea here. You can let your child know, and I do this all the time with my kids, but you can let your child know that you are not always so good at everything. Stories of sameness are so helpful. Children feel less alone in their struggles when they know that we've experienced something similar when we were their age. You can let your child know, I know it's tough learning to tie your shoes. I really get that. You know, when I was your age, I couldn't tie my shoes and I couldn't zip my coat by myself. I was still learning, but you can zip your coat all by yourself. You just did it. And you're almost there with tying your shoes, right? I tell my kids all the time, and this is totally true. I tell them, You're, you are so good at building with Legos. When I was your age, I don't think I could follow all the instructions in a book like that all by myself, right? So if there's something that they're struggling with, you can let them know that, hey, I know I know how to do this now, but I didn't know how to do that when I was your age, and you do, or you're you're already halfway there, right? So just reminding them that even though it looks like right now you have it all together, that you went through this process of learning new things constantly too, and that you struggled along the way too. That's so helpful for kids. And the last thing that I will say, the last tip that I have in helping kids manage frustrations is to trust the process. Now, I think this one can be a tough one because as parents, I think we often are always waiting for that next milestone. This is especially true when our kids are babies. And I think, I don't know about you, but this has been my experience that with the first baby, it feels incredibly just present all the time. Okay, when's he gonna roll over? When's he gonna roll the other way? Is this the right time? Is he late? Is he going on time, right? There's so much pressure to have your child meet these milestones on time and to get them to the next milestone. And I think for me, at least with my second and third babies, it was a little easier to sit back and say, okay, this will happen in its own time because you've had the experience before and you see that all kids get there in their own time if it's a skill that they're capable of, right? I think it's really important to note Of course, there are situations where kids are delayed or they have different abilities. Talk to your child's pediatrician. But here's the thing. If the pediatrician is not concerned, then see if you can let yourself let the process unfold. And of course, there are outliers here where you need to trust your gut and advocate for your child. So I'm not telling you to ignore your gut. If you think your child needs more support, you're probably right and feel free to advocate and get them that support. But I think a lot of times we are just so focused on getting them to that next milestone that it can be hard to get out of their way and trust the process. So here's a great example. And they actually talk about this a lot um, in the Rye philosophy, which is resources for infant educators. This is Janet Lansbury's predominant philosophy. And she talks a lot about not sitting babies up before they can get into that position on their own. Now, that seems harmless enough. And I did it with my first child. You know, they get to about six months and they get to where you can prop them up and they can actually hold a seated position. And you're like, okay, this is cool. This is something new. Why not? Look, my baby can sit. This is so exciting. I remember I did a whole photo shoot. It was around Valentine's Day. And I did this whole photo shoot with my first child. And I was so excited that he could sit up. 
And, um, and then he promptly fell over and hit his head on the wall. And I felt like the worst parent ever, (laughs) but again, we don't have to be perfect, but you know, with my second and third babies, I didn't push the sitting. I let them be on the floor as often as they needed to be. I tried to make floor time our predominant activity, which I did with my first two, but I didn't sit them up. I didn't put them in seated chairs. I didn't sit them up on the floor and prop them with pillows. I just let them lay on their backs. And what was so cool about it was that they did figure out, they were motivated to get into that seated position. My second child did it later than my my third child, but they both did it in their own perfect time. And it was so cool to watch the confidence that came from them doing this in their own time. Walking is another one that we can often rush, right? We, we want our children to walk. We worry. And the pediatrician is telling you, you have until 18 months before we start to wonder if there's more support needed, right? But so many parents, if your child's not walking right at 12 months, you start to panic, right? My first walked at 11 and a half months. My second didn't walk until 15 months. And I remember feeling like, uh-oh, like is something going on? But nothing was going on. He just needed to do it in his own time right? He, I remember too, he took his first steps when his brother and his dad and I were all there. He waited for us to all be there. It was a calm, relaxed family moment. And he was just like, okay, I'm ready. And he took his first steps. But at 15 months, he never went through that awkward toddling phase. He practically went from walking straight to running because he waited until he was really confident. He waited until he was ready. So we want to make sure that we are respecting our kids' own process as they're learning new skills and not pushing them to be ready for something that they're not, respecting any hesitation they have, affirming whatever feelings come up along the way, right? Saying, yeah, I see you're not ready to do this yet. That's okay. You'll do it when you're ready. And putting that confidence back to say, I know, I trust that you will do this when you are ready. I'm not going to push you. I trust you, right? So to recap, allow your child to feel frustrated. Follow your child's lead. Help them just enough. Model managing your own frustrations. Let your child know that you weren't always so good at everything. And trust the process. Let your child's learning unfold exactly as it's meant to. Because sometimes that frustration that they're experiencing might cause them to back off of the task a little bit. But if that is led by your child, that is okay. They will come back to it when they feel ready. And as long as we trust that and we get out of their way, then they will move forward as they are meant to. Okay? So hopefully that helps you. Again, remember, frustration tolerance is an executive function. It will develop more and more as your child's brain develops. So these are just tips to support them in developing this skill. But it's just like milestones, not something you can rush. You can support it. You can allow the feelings. And other than that, just like with a lot of things in parenting, we need to get out of their way and let things unfold. I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time. If your child's meltdowns are stressing you out, 
I've got you. My complete guide to meltdowns will walk you through exactly what's going on and how to help so that next time your child melts down, you can feel confident. Download your copy today for free at raiseresilient.com slash grow. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share this episode and leave a review. Let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we've got this.